Another week, another episode of unsportsmanlike content. This week, we're going over the NBA trade deadline, the NBA All-Star game that's happening this upcoming weekend, and some NBA midseason awards. The first event that'll be happening in the All-Star weekend is the Celebrity All-Star game. That'll take place February 18th, which is a Friday at 7 p.m. on ESPN. Pat, you want to run us through some of the rosters there? Yeah, so first we got Tim, or Tim, no, Team. Team. There we go. <laughs> team Bill Walton. Um, Jimmy Allen, singer-songwriter. Najee. Najee Houston. Nijah Houston. Nijah Houston. Houston. Yeah. Uh, she's an Olympian and nope, professional. that's a he. That's a he. That's a he. He's a skateboarder. Okay. Um, he is an Olympian and a professional skateboarder. Matt James from ABC's The Bachelor. Noah Carlock. The Fanatics All-In Challenge winner, Brittany Elena. She's a host, actress, athlete, and model. Very God. impressive. Yeah, very impressive. Um, Quavo, rapper, recording artist. Machine Gun Kelly, singer-songwriter. Ranveer Singh, an actor. Alex Toussaint, Peloton instructor. Dierica Hamby, the Las Vegas Aces forward. Yeah. Very good player for Las Vegas. She was an all-star this past year. Averaged 11.6 points per game, 6.7 rebounds per game, and about around two assists per game. So a nice little piece for that team. And then the GOAT, Anderson Vergel. Who Back in the NBA, kind of. Kind of. Who I'm actually surprised. I thought he retired back in 2017, but it ha- just so happens he played five games for the Cleveland Cavaliers this season at the age of 38. Uh, he hasn't eclipsed more than 40 games since the 2015-16 season when he played for both the Cavs and the Warriors. So interesting to see him in the Celebrity All-Star game. Should be interesting. And then on the next team, we got Team Dominique Wilkins. And we got Annuel AA, which is a rapper. Tiffany Haddish. She's a comedian, actress, and author. Cleveland's own mayor, Justin Bibb. Let's give a shout out to the mayor of Cleveland. Yeah, that's an interesting one. The, the city gets the bid, and the mayor goes, hey, I'd like a piece of that celebrity all-star game right there. I might have to watch the game just to see how he plays. <laughs> Honestly, might be pretty interesting to see how the mayor does. Um, Jack Harlow. Um, rapper, recording artist, Kane Brown, singer-songwriter, Krista Jackson, a Harlem Globetrotters player. That should be fun to watch. Miles Garrett, an NFL player. Um, Angelai Ranadive, singer-songwriter. Daniel Booby Gibson, Cleveland Cavs legend. Yeah, he last played in the NBA, the 2012-2013 season. He played his entire career with the Cleveland Cavaliers. He was on their team for seven seasons. In his final year, he averaged 5.4 points per game, 1.3 rebounds per game, and two assists per game. And then finally, we got John Marco Tambiri, an Olympic high jump champion. Yeah, overall, I think we got some interesting... Players, like players slash athletes to look out for. I mean, we mentioned an Oli- to two Olympians. We got the Nigel Houston, the skateboarder, and then Gianmarco Tambori, the high jump champion. And then you got a couple of former NBA players and a WNBA player in there. So it should be 
very nice to see how that game goes. The next game up on the NBA All-Star Weekend schedule is the Rising Stars game that will take place Friday, February 18th at 9 p.m., so just immediately after the Celebrity All-Star game. That will be on TNT. Now, this year they have a new format. It will be a four-team tournament, and as far as I understand it, there will be three games. So there's Team Barry, Team Isaiah, Team Peyton, and Team Worthy. So I'll quickly run down through the rosters for these teams, then we can kind of talk about it. On Team Barry, there will be Cade, Detroit's Cade Cunningham. He's had a very nice year. And then another thing I forgot to mention is there are four G League Ignite players in here, which are just the top players. Um, who would have been college players but chose to go to the G League Ignite, which is the new developmental team for players looking to not go to college but still be like a one-and-done and go to the league. So the first of those players is Dyson Daniels. Uh, and then they got Evan Mobley and Isaiah Isaac Okoru from Cleveland. They got Alperian Singun and Jayshon Tate from Houston, and Franz Wagner, and that wraps up Team Barry. Give me some of your thoughts on that list of players there for Team Rick Barry. Um, I'm excited to see Kate Cunningham and Evan Mobley play on the same court or on the same team. Um, but I'm interested to see how Dyson Daniels plays. Um, I haven't seen much of the G League Ignite players, so it'll be fun to watch him and the rest of the G League Ignite, Ignite players just to see how... They can compare themselves and even match up against these NBA players. Yeah, it'll be a good opportunity for some of these high-level G League Ignite players who are looking to become NBA draft picks. So it'll just be interesting to see how they stack up against some of the league's best young players. Another player on that list that I really like the look of so far in his young career is Franz Wagner down in Orlando. He's had a nice start to his year. We'll get a little bit more into some of these players later on when we do some midseason awards and whatnot but that's team rick barry now on to team isaiah thomas they've got Pre he's got i should say Preses achua from toronto desmond bain from memphis sadiq bay from detroit anthony Edwards from minnesota tyrese halliburton in indiana now we'll talk about that trade later in the episode Jaden hardy another one of those g league ignite players and then isaiah stewart from detroit Again, give me some of your thoughts on that team. This team, top to bottom, is very, very, very stacked. Um, reason why I say that, Desmond Bain has been having an insane year. Mm -hmm. um, he's kind of been that Robin to John Moran's Batman. So it's just really cool to see those two play alongside each other. But another player who I'm excited to watch is Tyrese Halliburton. Um, you know, aside from the All-Star Weekend, just to see him in Indiana now, it's going to be very interesting to see how... He meshes and fits with that team. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this team, I mean, both teams so far have just been loaded with talent. And, I mean, there's much more talent on the other two teams that you're going to talk about here in a couple seconds. Yeah, I haven't even listed my favorite team on the, on the slate yet. Just to kind of put that out there. I like another team a little bit more. But I do like what you said about Desmond Bain. He's had a really impressive season for Memphis. They've had... I don't want to say surprising. They had the look that they could be something at, towards the tail end of last year with how that team started to play. But to be as good as they've been this year has been very, I'm going to say surprising, but I don't know if that's the right word to go with. 
Anthony Edwards, as you mentioned, very solid, and Therese Halliburton should be interesting to see how he gels in Indiana. Next up is Team Gary Payton, who probably has the best player out of these four teams in LaMelo Ball on his team. Uh, he's a Hornet, and then you got Scotty Barnes from Toronto, my boy Io DeSunmu, the Chicago zone in Chicago, Chris Duarte from Indiana, Scott Henderson, one of those G League Ignite players, Jaden McDaniels from Minnesota, and Dave Yon Mitchell from Sacramento. Give me some of your thoughts on Team Gary Payton. Um, two players that are on this team that I absolutely love to watch on the court, LaMelo Ball and Scotty Barnes. Um, they're just two high-talented players with bring a lot of energy and are very elusive and very shifty with the ball. And It's going to be fun to watch them play side-by-side side together. Yeah, and then I'm going to take the opportunity to talk about Io Sunmu since you took Scotty Barnes and LaMelo Ball. Um, Io's been someone the Bulls have looked to, not because... Well, he is very talented, and he's been very good. But I feel like more because they needed him. Because you lost Caruso, you lost Ball, so you needed another guard to kind of stand by Kobe White and Zach Levine. And Io DeSumo has filled that role brilliantly for Billy Donovan's Chicago Bulls team. And then also Chris Duarte, who my best friend Nate, he's a Pacers fan, and he he mentioned when they drafted him that he he didn't really know what to think about him. Because he's, he's an older guy. He's, I believe, 24. He was a senior coming out of Oregon. So he's a little bit older. Don't really know what you're going to get with him. But he's had a very surprisingly good year for Indiana. And now with Levert gone, he's going to be one of the key men to step in to, to fill the void of Levert's hole. So it should be interesting to see how that backcourt of Duarte and uh, Tyrese Halliburton gels and I see you've got the stats for Duarte over there so just run me through some of those yeah so he's some of his stats for this year um, he's averaging 13.4 points a game which is pretty decent um, 4.1 rebounds and 2.2 assists um, and yeah I mean it looks like he's been doing pretty well so far this year and I mean like you said he's kind of an older rookie because um, usually they come out around 19, 20, sometimes 18. But, I mean, just the best of luck for him this for the All-Star Weekend and just the rest of the season. And then lastly, you've got Team Worthy. Uh, he's got Cole Anthony from Orlando, Marjan Bouchamp, uh, another one of those G League Ignite players, Josh Giddy from the Oklahoma City Thunder, Jalen Green from Houston, Herbert Jones from New Orleans, Tyrese Maxey from Philly, and also Jalen Suggs from Orlando. Give me some of your thoughts on Team James Worthy. I think Team James Worthy is my favorite team out of all of these teams. I love Josh Giddy. I love Jalen Green. But my boy, former Gonzaga man, Jalen Suggs. I love that guy. Um, he's been doing very, very well in Orlando so far. And he was at their last game, and they won in his attendance. So... He shows good luck. So I expect Team James Worthy to win. Yeah, I would agree with that. As I mentioned earlier, I hadn't mentioned my favorite team in the field yet, and this is my favorite team in the field. Cole Anthony, an almost Notre Dame recruit, did go to North Carolina, but you know what could have been if he came to South Bend, Indiana. But were, were you going to say something there, Pat? Yeah, I remember the day 
he committed to it was between North Carolina and Notre Dame. We both had first period class together, and we were sitting by my phone before class started watching it live. And then it was a bad day when he chose North Carolina over Notre Dame. Yeah, what can you do though? He's in the NBA now, only stayed a year. Um, but you mentioned Josh Giddy. He became the youngest player to ever record a triple-double in the NBA earlier this season. He just put up another one earlier this week. Um, and then two other players that you didn't mention, Herbert Jones and Tyrese Maxey. Tyrese Maxey, his usage is going to go down a little bit now that they've added James Harden. But he's had a really good year for Philadelphia last year. He kind of stepped into a, a bigger role, and he... He proved himself, and he started to play well. And then Herbert Jones, you don't see the offensive numbers or the stats to fill the box sheet, but he's a very solid defensive piece for New Orleans, and he's really been a good piece for them, especially with Zion Williamson out of their lineup. And earlier this year, or earlier today, I should say, I saw that Zion might need a second surgery on that foot. So Herbert Jones... His usage this year is going to become very valuable for that Pelicans team. Uh, and then a couple of other events that I'll quickly just kind of breeze through that will either be televised or just aren't really the premier things that you're going to be watching. Uh, two events on Saturday that are kind of more, I guess, filler time for the event is uh, at 11 a.m. you've got all-star practice on NBA TV and then later on at 2 p.m. you've got the NBA and the uh, historically black colleges and universities classic between Morgan State versus Howard University and then do you want to run us through some of the uh, premier events that happened later that night Pat? Yeah so first we got the Taco Bell Skills Challenge um, that'll take place at 8 p.m. It'll be the first of three events that are happening. Um, we got the Team Rooks which consists of Scotty Barnes out of Toronto, Kate Cunningham from Detroit, and like we just mentioned a couple seconds ago, Josh Giddy out of OKC. Team Cavs, Jared Allen, Darius Garland, and Evan Mobley. And then the Team Antetokounmpo you got Giannis, Alex, and Thananis. Thananis? Thananis? We're just going to go with Thananis. Thananis. I'm not, not going to be bothered by the pronunciation. No offense to them, but they're Greek, and I'm not too caught up on my Greek pronunciation. I think we'd have to go to our friend Mark for our Greek pronunciation. Shout out to Mark and Ashley. <laughs> okay, then. Uh, uh, as far as this goes, this should be an interesting competition. I really like the squads that we've got here especially that team rooks uh, trio as we mentioned earlier both of us uh like the cut of the jib of scotty barnes kate cunningham and josh giddy so this i think could be more interesting than it has been in years past where they've kind of just kind of thrown a bracket together had bigs on one side guards on the other so i think this could give a little bit more spice to the skills challenge um next up will be the three-point contest the uh, participants in that will be C.J. McCollum of now the New Orleans Pelicans. Again, same thing with Terry's Halliburton. We'll talk a little bit about that trade later on in the show. Uh, then you got Trey Young from the Hawks, Levine from the Bulls, Desmond Bain from the Grizzlies, who we've already talked about a little bit this episode. And then you got Carl Anthony Towns from Minnesota, Fred Van Vliet from Toronto, Luke Kennard of the Clippers, and Patty Mills of the Brooklyn Nets. Now, I do want to mention it'll be interesting to see what Levine's status for this weekend is. Earlier this week, he had 
visited the specialists that worked on his knee in which he tore his ACL a couple years ago. So it should be interesting to see how he and the Bulls medical staff handle his participation in the All-Star Weekend. I know the past couple games he has been out with that lingering knee injury. So it'll just be something to keep your eye on. I don't know if they're going to have a substitute for him. I haven't seen anything about it, but it's just something to keep your eye on. Who do you got winning the three-point contest, Pat? I got Trey Young. Um, he's automatic from the three. Um, he's very, very deadly from behind the arc. Um, but I'm going to mention two names that I'm very, very surprised to see. You know, I looked at this list briefly before our episode, but actually looking at it now. Carl Anthony Towns. It just, it just makes me laugh when I see a big man in the three-point contest. I mean, he's a very, very, very high-level, high-talented player, but... It's just funny to see him with guys like CJ McCollum, Trey Young, and Desmond Bain who are who can shoot and make anything from behind the arc. Yeah. To be fair to him though, he is shooting forty percent from three this season, which is a career high actually no, it's not a career high, I lied. You know, he shot forty two percent in eighty two games in twenty seventeen and eighteen. So he is a capable three point shooter, but I do agree with you, it is interesting to see a big in the three-point contest. I'd also have to piggyback behind you and pick Trey Young. He just is, in my opinion, the most automatic shooter in the field. One to kind of keep an eye on, and I don't know if it's changed much from college, is Luke Kennard, surprisingly. I really liked how he looked at Duke when he was there a couple years ago. He's just a really good, consistent shooter. Um, But with lower playing time in the NBA, it'll be interesting to see how he performs in this. He's just kind of a person I'd like to keep my eye on on the field, kind of as a dark horse. Uh, Do you want to run us through the dunk contest participants, Pat? Yeah, so right after the three-point contest, they'll have the dunk contest. And in that, there's going to be Cole Anthony of the Orlando Magic, Juan Toscano Anderson, who plays for the Golden State Warriors, my man, Obi Toppin of the New York Knicks, and then... Jalen Green of the Houston Rockets. Um, I'm excited to watch this. Um, I all of these, all four of these players are high dunkers and can dunk very, very well. Um, I mean, Juan Toscano Anderson had a poster, I believe, earlier this season. Yep. I don't remember who is on or who is against, but I know exactly the player you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so that'll be cool to watch him play or participate. Um, I'll be topping. He's had a lot of windmills and a lot of between-the-leg dunks, so hopefully he can pull something like that in this contest. But Jalen Green, he's probably my favorite player out of these out of this pool just because of how he is very, very... He's not... He looks like he can't dunk very well with his build, but he can dunk extremely, extremely well. Um, so if I had to pick a winner for this, I'm probably going to have to go with either... Jalen Green or Obi Toppin, just because of how well they can dunk the basketball. Yeah, and then one thing I like to see is all four of these players play pretty consistently for their teams, whereas in years past we've seen uh, the NBA select people from the G League or just off the bench that we know are good athletes, but it's, it's boring when you don't recognize too many of the names. At least when I look at this list, I recognize Cole Anthony, Obi Toppin, and Jalen Green at the very least. But Juan, Ta- Juan Toscano Anderson has played very well for the Golden State Warriors the past couple of years. So it's just nice to have some familiar names participate. 
I really want to see one that has all of the stars that we know are really good dunkers, but I understand why they don't. It can be a little risky just because you're using so much of your lower body in a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, I'd probably go with Obi Toppin in this one. I just like uh, how athletic I've seen him be in in games, out of games. He's just a beast as far as an athlete goes. You want to run us through the next couple of uh, events, Pat? Yeah, so next uh, after that on Sunday, February 20th at 2 p.m., there's going to be the NBA G League Next Gem game. This will be between the N- the G League Ignite up against the Cleveland Charge. Um, the Charge feature players Trey Scott and Malik Newman, who have both earned call-ups to the Cavaliers this season, while Ignite's roster includes five players training toward the 2022 NBA Draft including a pair of ESPN top 10 recruits from the class of 2021 in Jaden Hardy, who was number two on that list, and Michael Foster Jr., who was number seven, plus Marjan Buchamp and top international stars Dyson Daniels and Fanbo Zhang. Yeah, and then just to mention, both Jaden Hardy and Buchamp will be participating in the Rising Stars Challenge as well. So it's just nice to see the the top, two of the top players prospects for the ignite getting the opportunity multiple times in all-star weekend i think it's one thing the nba is trying to do is kind of uh reach out to a couple of younger athletes as far as their g league goes and kind of promote that developmental league more than they have in years past do you want to run us through some of the all-stars that were picked for this year yeah so i can touch on the first team then you can hop on team james sounds Um, good so after that, um, at 8 o'clock on Sunday, is the 71st NBA All-Star Game. Um, Team Durant, or Kevin Durant, is the captain, but he will not be playing because he's been hurt for quite a while now. Um, but the starters in this game, we got Joel Embiid, the center for the Philadelphia 76ers. He's averaged 29.5 points this year on 4.5 assists and 11.2 rebounds. This is his fifth All-Star appearance. John Morant, he's a guard for the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, he's averaging 26.4 points, 6.8 assists, and 5.9 rebounds on the year. This is his first All-Star appearance as well. Jason Tatum, um, he's a forward guard for the Boston Celtics. He's averaging 25.5 points, 4.1 rebounds on, or 4.1 assists on 8.4 rebounds. This is his third All-Star appearance, and he's taking Katie's place in the starting lineup because, like I said, he's hurt, so he won't be playing. And then Andrew Wiggins, he's a forward for the Golden State Warriors. He's averaging 18 points on 2.1 assists and 4.3 rebounds. This is his first all-star appearance also. And then you got Trey Young. He's a guard for the Hawks, 27.6 points per game, 9.4 assists and 3.9 rebounds. This is surprisingly his second all-star nod. Um, I know he hasn't been in the league for a while, or he hasn't been in the league for that long, but... Um, and then, the, so, you just want to break down that starting five before I get into the reserves? What yeah. are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I can go ahead and do that. Um, Joel Embiid has been one of the best players in the league so far this year, and I really like how he's been so far this year, so that's an obvious selection. Um, and then, same thing with John Morant and Trey Young. The only head-scratching... Uh, starter out of who was selected to be a starter was Andrew Wiggins. 
I don't know what the NBA or the coaches, whoever decides that, he's been solid, but he's not been all-star game starter worthy by any means. Um, like, if you just go down to the bench, I would have rather put a LaMelo Ball, Devin Booker. Sorry to steal some of your guys off the bench, but I'm just kind of listing some names that I feel like deserved the nod over Andrew Wiggins. And I'm not trying to tear into Andrew Wiggins' games, but game, but he doesn't deserve the all-star game starter role. He might not even... Okay, I won't go as far as he doesn't deserve an all-star selection, but it's just head-scratching to see under, try to understand why he was selected as a starter, but other than that, I really like who got picked for at least as far as this half of the starters. I really like the other half that I'll go over a little bit later as well and each of those all I feel really deserved it but I do like this starting lineup for team Durant if he was in it it would be a very good lineup obviously it's the all-star game they're all going to be very good you want to run through some of those reserves though Pat yeah so on the reserves we've got Lamella Ball he's a guard for the Charlotte Hornets he's averaging 20.1 points per game 7.5 assists and seven rebounds this is his first all-star nod. Uh, Devin Booker, a guard for the Suns. He's averaging 25.5 points, 4.4 assists, and 5.3 rebounds. This is his third all-star appearance. Rudy Gobert, or who is now known as the man who shut down the NBA. Um, he, that he's a center for the Utah Jazz. He's averaging 16 points, 1.2 assists, and 15.1 rebounds. This is his third All-Star nod as well. Your man, Zach Levine, he's a guard forward for the Bulls. He's averaging 24.7 points, 4.3 assists, and 4.8 rebounds. He's a two-time All-Star. Chris Middleton is back in the All-Star game. He's a forward for the Bucks, averaging 19.5 points, 5.2 assists, and 5.5 rebounds. Three-time All-Star, like I said. DeJounte Murray, guard for the San Antonio Spurs. This is his first time being an all-star. He's replacing Draymond Green, who I will mention later on this list. Um, but he's going to be that reserve player. Um, but he's averaging 20 points on the year, 9.3 assists, 9.3 assists, and 8.4 rebounds. Then we got Carl Anthony Towns, forward center, um, plays for the Timberwolves. He's averaging 24.3 points, four assists, and 9.5 rebounds. Three-time all-star. And then finally, Draymond Green who will not be playing because he's hurt. But this would have been his fourth All-Star appearance, and he's averaging 7.9 points, 7.4 assists, and 7.6 rebounds. Um, what are your thoughts on this roster, more of the reserves since you touched on the starting lineup? Uh, I think it's a very solid uh, reserves roster. I like both LaMelo and Devin Booker, obviously. They're very, very talented players. Rudy Gobert, one of the premier centers in the league it'll also be interesting to see if he can play along with Levine because Gobert has been out for a couple weeks I forget what his injury is I just know he has been out for a little bit with it and the same thing with Zach Levine in that knee Chris Middleton very solid number two in Milwaukee behind Giannis who we'll touch on later on team James uh has a, had a very solid year as you've mentioned Jante Murray I really like how he's played this year. He's almost averaging a triple-double. He's very good defensively. gets a good amount of steals. 
Uh, he's someone that, if he can stay healthy, is going to be a very solid player for San Antonio. And we'll touch on some. Well, something I'll touch on a little bit later on the episode is a trade they made to make him more of that key piece as far as their backcourt goes. And then we kind of touched on Cat already as far as his, his participation in the three-point contest. Uh, and then I will roll on into the starters for Team LeBron James. So c- kicking off with their captain, LeBron, a forward from the Los Angeles Lakers, averaging 29 points per game, 6.5 assists, 7.9 rebounds per game. He's an 18-time All-Star. A guy who doesn't seem to age, but we said that about Tom Brady, and Tom Brady retired. So it'll be interesting to see when he decides to hang up the boots. I know there's been rumors that it might be when his son comes into the league. So it should be interesting to see where the end of his career goes. Next up is Giannis Antetokounmpo, a forward for the Milwaukee Bucks. He's averaging 29 points per game as well. Six assists per game and 11.2 rebounds. This is his sixth All-Star appearance. He has been a very solid piece for Milwaukee. Obviously, they won the championship this past year, I believe. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Couldn't. Sometimes years just flow together, and I can't quite remember who won it when. So I just wanted to confirm with that with you. Yeah, I just looked over to Pat for a little bit of a confirming nod there. Uh, next up is Stephen Curry, one of the best guards in the league for the Golden State Warriors, averaging 25.7 points per game, 6.4 assists per game, and 5.4 rebounds per game in his eighth time being an all-star. Next up, my boy, DeMar DeRozan, a guard slash forward for the Chicago Bulls, averaging 27.7 points per game, 5.1 assists per game, rebounds per game. It's his fifth time being selected the All-Star game. And reporters deemed him the worst free agent signing in the league. And this man has popped off and kept us afloat at the top of the Eastern Conference all season long. Love me some DeMar DeRozan. And then lastly, Nikola Jokic, a center for the Denver Nuggets, averaging 25.8 points per game, 7.9 assists per game, and 13.7 rebounds per game. It's his fourth time being an All-Star. Give me some of your thoughts for this starting lineup. Um, my favorite player on this list is DeMar DeRozan, hands down. I love me some DeMar DeRozan. Um, I was hoping that maybe the Knicks could somehow get DeMar DeRozan, but I knew it was either between the Lakers or the Bulls. Um, I know in interviews he said he thought he was going to the Lakers. So the Bulls were his next choice, so that's where he was. But I like him on the Bulls, you know. I like also, I just, I like that he makes the team good. I like seeing the Bulls being successful because when they're at the bottom of the league, bottom bottom of the pack, it just, it didn't feel right, you know. Yeah, I, I agree with that statement. I mean, I am a Bulls fan, so that does make me a little bit more biased. But these past couple years when the Bulls have been kind of floating towards the bottom of the league, I, I feel like I haven't paid more as much attention to the NBA, and I feel like that's, at least for me, something that if my team isn't performing to a standard that I feel is competitive, I really won't pay attention to the league because I just don't enjoy it as much if my team's not involved in a playoff race or some sort of push in any sort of aspect. So I really liked what the Chicago Bulls did this past offseason when they added DeMar, they added Caruso, they added... Vucevic, obviously that was last season, but it's still a very good addition for them. 
But they kind of consolidated their roster, and they got rid of pieces that they didn't feel could make them competitive, and they brought in pieces that they thought were going to be something that they could look forward to and the franchise could look forward to, and it's something Bulls fans haven't had for a little while, probably since Derrick Rose days, of having someone something to look forward to. So it's nice to see the Bulls kind of change that mindset and try to put some pieces together to make a competitive roster. Uh, I will roll down into the reserves, and then I will give you some time to give your thoughts on the reserves. First off, Jimmy Butler, a forward for the Miami Heat, averaging 21.7 points per game, 6 assists per game, and 6 rebounds per game. It's his sixth time being selected to the All-Star game. Next up is Luka Doncic, a forward slash guard for the Dallas Mavericks, averaging 27.2 points per game, 9 assists per game, and 9 rebounds per game. It's his third time being selected at the All-Star game. Now, just to give my opinion here, he's probably the player I would have chosen over Andrew Wiggins to be a starter. He's had a very solid year, and his game kind of speaks for itself. He's a He's been insane for Dallas, and just to think that Atlanta and Dallas had to choose between Trey Young and Luka Doncic to guide their um, franchise forward in that trade that they made. It's just one of those interesting things. You're like, who's going to be better? But they've they've really both been pretty solid, and I don't think there could have been a mistake as far as that trade went. Next up is Darius Garland, a guard for the Cleveland Cavaliers, one of the biggest surprises in the league. We'll kind of mention some of that later on in the episode. He averages 20 points per game. 8 assists per game, and 3 rebounds per game, and it's his first time being selected the All-Star game. Next up, James Harden, a guard for the Philadelphia 76ers. We'll mention that trade and some of our thoughts later on in the episode. He averages 22.5 points per game, 10 assists per game, and 8 rebounds per game. It's his 10th time being selected All-Star game. It's already been announced that he is out for this game due to injury, and I will mention his replacement a little bit later. Next up is Donovan Mitchell, a guard for the Utah Jazz, averaging 25.4 points per game, 5 assists point per game, and 4 rebounds per game. It's his third time being selected at the All-Star game. Next up, Chris Paul, a guard for the Phoenix Suns, averaging 15 points per game, 11 assists per game, and 4.5 rebounds per game. It's his 12th time being selected at the All-Star game. Next up is probably one of the bigger surprises as far as performers go. Knew he was good, but he's really stepped up his game so far this year. Is Fred Van Vliet, a guard for the Toronto Raptors. He averages 21.6 points per game, 7 assists per game, and 4.6 rebounds per game. It's his first time being selected at the All-Star game. And then lastly is Jared Allen, who will replace James Harden. For Team LeBron James, he is a center for the Cleveland Cavaliers, averaging 16 points per game, an assist per assist per game, and 11 rebounds per game. Give me some of your thoughts as far as this reserve this reserves list goes. Um, this is a good reserves list. Um, you'll see on the notes that I highlighted James Harden's name is red because I hate James Harden. Um, so I just wanted him to be different from the rest of the people on the list. I realistically just thought you highlighted it in red because he was injured. <laughs> no, I just I just do not like James Harden at all. But I'm very, very, very excited and very, very happy for Jarrett Allen because um, he's been through a lot through his career. Um, so it's just nice that he's finally 
all that hard work has finally paid off with him getting an all-star nod. Um, obviously, he was in Brooklyn, and then he had the trade. So just glad I'm just glad that he can finally say that all that work has paid off with him getting in Cleveland and working his butt off. And it's always said and showed. I mean, their team is in playoff contention. Mm-hmm. And he's an all-star. Yeah, that Cleveland Cavaliers team has been playing insane. We'll touch on that a little bit more later. But it's just incredible to see what they've done over there. Any other thoughts for this all-star game? Um, I think that's all I got. You want to talk about your prediction for the all-star MVP? Yeah, and then just to quickly mention, they named the all-star MVP trophy after the late Kobe Bryant, who passed away just uh, a little bit over a year ago now. Um, But... I mean, I always struggle when it comes to picking this type of thing because it could legit be any of these players. I mean, they are all-stars for a reason. But how could you not say Stephen Curry? He's just one of those players that just has such a fun time at the All-Star game, and he always seems to put on a good show for the crowd. So I'm going to go with Stephen Curry. He might not have eye-poppy numbers just because it's the All-Star game and everybody plays because they're all very, very good. But I'm just going to throw Stephen Curry's name out there because I love watching him in the All-Star game. Yeah, that's a good choice. Um, I'm going to have to pick DeMar DeRozan. Um, I think he's going to just absolutely blow up. And I'm, I know everyone else on his team and the other team respect him a lot and know his game. So I think they're just going to let him do his thing and get that award. Yeah, I would love to see that. Uh, Now we'll head into the NBA trade deadline. It was a very interesting uh, trade deadline as far as trades go. So I'll run through about half of them, and then I'll let you take over, Pat, so I don't strain my voice going through all of these trades. It's probably a good idea. Yeah. So kicking her off on January 3rd, so we're not quite to the trade deadline, but we just figured we'd throw this one in there. A three-team trade went down between the Cleveland Cavaliers, Los Angeles Lakers, and New York Knicks. The Cavaliers got Ray John Rondo. He's kind of a replacement for Ricky Rubio, who went down earlier in that time span, just as a veteran guard presence to give him a little bit more depth, because obviously they lost Con Sexton earlier in the year. The Lakers got the draft rights to Lewis. I don't really know how to pronounce the last name, but I'm going to give it a shot. Labirier? 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 I don't know. We're just going to leave it as is. And then the Knicks are getting Denzel Valentine, a former Bull. The draft rights to Wang Zeeland and Brad Newley and cash considerations. So maybe a minor trade as far as the uh, the world of the NBA goes. But eh, nice little piece for the Cavs. See your little... Oh, you do not like this trade. You do. Well, give me some of your thoughts on this one since it includes your New York Knicks. <laughs> But I, how do I put this nicely? Denzel Valentine has been irrelevant ever since his rookie season in Summer League when he won MVP. Ever since then, he hasn't done a single thing. So when I saw that the Knicks traded for him or they received him in this three-team trade, I'm not even sure why they were involved at all, but I was very upset. But I'm very, 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 very glad that they did not keep him. But... I was a little upset when I saw Rajon Rondo got traded because I know that he wanted to be in L.A. with the Lakers. Um, I mean, he was gone last year, but he came back this year and then the trade. But I just felt bad 
when rookie Ricky Rubio went down because he was having a very very good year. I mean, we'll touch on the awards later, but he would have been my front runner for sixth man. But I mean, he's been doing decent since he's been in Cleveland, and this Lewis guy, I don't know anything about him, so I've got no comment on that. Yeah, uh, the draft rights just kind of touch on it. It's those like two-year players that are international, so they still need a year before they are eligible to play in the NBA. So the team that holds the draft rights of that player will receive him once he is eligible to play in the NBA. So the this Lewis guy, Wang Zeeland, and Brad Newley, they will be additions to the team when they become eligible to play in the NBA just because the playing rules in the in Europe are just a little bit different than they are in here in America for the NBA. I'll move on to the next trade that went down on January 13th between the Hawks and the Knicks. Kind of a nice little a nice little trade that went down here. The Hawks got Kevin Knox the second and a projected first round pick, and the Knicks got Cam Reddish, Solomon Hill, and a 2025 second round pick. Uh, I will also swing this over to you since this includes your New York Knicks. Yeah, um, I was super excited when I heard about this trade. Um, I love Cam Reddish, so just the fact that he's a New York Knick now makes me so, so happy. But it's just it's unfortunate that Kevin Knox had to get traded. Um, I, I feel like they could have used him a lot more throughout his young career. I mean, he's still very, very young, so hopefully he can do something for... Atlanta um, but I'm just yeah I mean like I said it's just unfortunate that we hardly used him I mean luckily though he's only 22 so he's got a lot of career left in him but I mean Cam Reddish has done extremely well in my opinion I mean he put up 12 points on the Golden State Warriors and I mean he's the reason that we beat them six days ago so yeah, I, I also like the fact that R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish get to kind of reunite in New York. So it's just a nice little uh, anecdote as far as that trade goes. I don't really have anything more to put to it. I'll, I just figured I'd swing it over to you since you're the Knicks fan. You would be able to give a little bit more insight into that trade. Next up, we got a, that happened on January 19th, my birthday. A three-team trade went down between the Denver Nuggets, the Boston Celtics, and the San Antonio Spurs. A pretty minor trade. The biggest piece that went down here was Bryn Forbes to Denver. The Celtics got Bull Bull and P.J. Dozier. And the Spurs got Juan Hernan, Hernan Gomez and a future second-round pick as well as cash considerations. Again, not much to mention here. Just Bryn Forbes headed out to to Denver, so it just gives them an extra guard as far as uh, that team goes. And then on February 4th, uh, we're starting to get into the bigger trades now. Uh, a trade went down between the Los Angeles Clippers and the Portland Trail Blazers. The Clippers got Norman Powell and Robert Cummington, two starters, in fact, fo- from the Portland Trail Blazers. And then the Portland Trail Blazers got Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, and a 2025 second-round pick. Um, this trade, I don't really understand. I mean, the Clippers—they don't seem like a team that are really pushing for anything with both George and Kawhi out. But then it doesn't really make sense as far as the Blazers go because they offloaded quite a bit as far as their roster goes this year, and it—it it kind of confused me when I saw it. Give me some of your thoughts on this trade. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I'm kind of 
question. I'm this is kind of a head scratching trade. There's one of many that we're gonna be talking about. Um, but I mean, I thought Norman Powell was doing pretty well for Portland, so I'm not sure why they wanted to get rid of him so badly. I mean, especially Eric Bledsoe's old, but he does bring some depth to that bench. Justice Winslow isn't very well good, and then Keon Johnson, he's young, but. I mean, I'm not sure he's going to do much of anything since he's not going to get a lot of playing time. But, I mean, they did get a draft pick out of it, so hopefully they can use something with that and make it turn into something valuable. Yeah, uh, as far as Norman Powell goes, I just kind of pulled up his page on basketball reference here really quickly. So he was traded from Toronto on March 25th and then signed a multi-year contract with Portland on August 6th of last year. So that kind of would put in your mind they want him for a long-term piece. But then on February 4th, they shipped him off to L.A. And that's just confusing to me because you just signed him to a multi-year deal on August 6th. He's averaging about 18 points per game for your club. So it's not like he's playing poor by any means. So it's just a head-scratching move as far as what the Portland Trailblazers are going for here. I mean, Lillard is kind of hinted at the fact that he wants out and you're not helping your case by offloading pieces such as Norman Powell and a very good depth piece as far as Robert Covington goes so I just don't quite understand as far as a Portland side of things goes for the Clippers next year with Norman Powell and then you'll bring back Paul George acquire Leonard I'm not sure what their contract statuses are for next year but I think the Clippers could be a very solid team next year if you can keep Norman Powell, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Robert Covington. You'll have a very deep team as far as the Clippers go. And the Blazers, Eric Bledsoe's aging, Justice Winslow, we've seen the best of him, I feel like. And then you mentioned Keon Johnson. Won't play too much, and they got a pick. So it's just mind-boggling as far as the Portland situation goes and then i'm gonna move on to february 7th when the Cavs and the pacers went down on a trade when the Cavs got karis levert and a 2022 second round pick and the pacers received ricky rubio a 2022 first round pick and two 2022 second round picks i see this as the Cavs wanted karis levert the pacers wanted picks they're not playing too well so we'll take picks, you'll take a player, and we'll offload a contract because Ricky Rubio's out for the rest of the year. Give me some of your thoughts on this trade between the Cavs and the Pacers. I think this is actually a very good trade. I mean, I'm very, very, I'm a big fan of Karis LeVert. So it's going to be very cool and very interesting to see him play in Cleveland. I mean, with the team that's around him, you got Darius Garland, you got Jarrett Allen, when healthy. You have Colin Sexton, um, but I think this is a very deep team, um, and I think this just helps them with depth of players and talent-wise too. So I'd say the Cavs definitely won this trade. But yeah, I mean you touched it right on the money. The Pacers, we'll talk about it later. But right now they're 13th in their conference, so they don't have a lot going for them. So this was a, a good trade for them to get picks wise but yeah i mean overall just it's a it's a decent trade i'd say yeah and then just far as karis levert goes he's put up 18 points per game about four rebounds per game and about four assists per game so he's been very good for the pacers but they're not a team that are going to be competing right now 
So they offloaded him for a couple of future picks that they might be able to do something with. And then the Cavs, who are trying to push for a playoff spot. They're in one right now, but just to kind of keep float, they brought in Karis Lever. Again, going with that guard depth that we mentioned with the Rondo trade. And then next up, the very next day, the Pacers and the Kings got together and put together a nice little trade. I like this trade for both sides, maybe a little bit more for the Pacers. Uh, but the Pacers picked up Therese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson, and the Kings received DeMontis Sabonis, Justin Holiday, Jeremy Lamb, and a 2023 second-round pick. So the Pacers were rumored to be trying to get rid of one of DeMontis Sabonis and Miles Turner. Um, I heard that they wanted at least a first-round pick for one of them, and I, they didn't get that pick. But they got Therese Halliburton, who's a very solid player, uh, and it was kind of head-scratching when the Kings drafted him, in my opinion. He's a very good player, but I just didn't really understand where he fit in on as far as their team goes just because they had De'Aaron Fox. With the Kings this season, uh, excuse me, Tyrese Halliburton put up 14 points per game, 7 assists per game, and 4 rebounds per game. So far with the Pacers in 3 games, he's put up 20 points per game, 10 assists per game, and 4 rebounds. He's been outstanding for Indiana. Uh, give me some of your thoughts on this trade. Yeah, this is another trade that I definitely am a big fan of. Um, I feel like the player who's benefiting the most from this is Buddy Heald. Because um, he's kind of been, I know I used his analogy earlier, but that Robin to Batman in Sacramento with De'Aaron Fox and him being that two-piece but even just last night, I mean, Buddy Heald played 37 minutes. He shot 14 of 20 from the field, 8 of 12 from 3, and then put up 36 points. So already he's making a big impact on that team. Though they lost to the Bucks, but Giannis did drop a 50-piece. So it makes sense. But I'm just happy to see him already benefiting from a trade like this. Yeah, and then... I, oh, sorry. Sorry oh, to cut you off there. Um, Demonis Sabonis... I wanted him to go maybe to a different team, um, but hopefully he can do something on the Kings and then Justin Holiday too. But yeah, what were you going to say? Yeah, I was just going to say with these last two trades, I really like the direction the Pacers are trying to head in. They offloaded maybe an aging piece, maybe an injury-prone piece in Karis LeVert. He's had a couple of injuries in his past. He's starting to get a little bit older. Uh, you bring in a young guard as far as Trees Halliburton goes. You bring in Heald, who's, I believe, similar age to Levert, so you're not really losing much as far as that goes. And then Tristan Thompson, just a nice veteran bench piece for him. But then you brought in a first-round pick and two second-round picks. So even though you're not competing right now, you're starting to put together a nice little roster. I mean, you're going to have Halliburton, you're going to have Duarte, you're going to have Heald, you're going to have Miles Turner, and then... I don't really know what they're doing at power forward right now, but it's a nice little piece as far as, or a nice little team as far as what they're starting to put together. So you're looking at the Pacers. Who are they rolling with at? It looks like Jalen Smith, but he only did play 17 minutes. So it might be more of a rotational thing as far I as that so. goes. Jalen Smith, a player they also picked up um, the earlier this trade deadline in a trade with the Suns, they sent Torrey Craig back Phoenix's way in that we won't really go too much in depth with that trade, but we did, I guess, mention it there. Uh, and then on the same day, the Pelicans 
collected C.J. McCollum, Larry Nance Jr., and Tony Snell. And the Blazers got Josh Hart and Akil Alexander-Walker, Tomas Sadoranski, Didi Luzada, a 2022 first-round pick, a 2026 second-round pick, and a 2027 second-round pick as well. Um, another, I guess, mind-boggling trade from the Blazers? They're offloading more pieces, so you're getting rid of Lillard's um, counterpart, his Robin to his Batman, as you keep using that analogy, um, or comparison, whatever literary term that would be. Uh, and you gave him to New Orleans. You gave up a nice, solid piece that you had, I believe they traded for Larry Nance. It was a three-team deal with Chicago, Cleveland, and Portland, I believe. Um and send him to New Orleans, and then Tony Snell, who's been kind of a bunch piece for you, you send him New Orleans way. So again, a little bit mind-boggling. Give me some of your thoughts on this one. Um, I think this is a decent trade for both teams. I mean, with the Trailblazers, Josh Hart, I feel like he's going to have more of a role on the Trailblazers than he did in the Pelicans. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, I like that. I like him as a player. Um, we'll mention later, but he did get traded again, which... I'll give my thoughts on that. Um, Tomas Sadoransky, he's been all over the NBA, so I'm not sure what he can bring except depth and veteran, just a veteran appearance on that team. And then Didi Luzada, I don't expect anything from him. But, I mean, the Pelicans, I know they had been rumored to have interest in CJ McCollum for quite a while, so the fact that they were able to finally get him, I think, was huge. So that gives Brandon Ingram someone else who he can pass the ball to who has somewhat decent talent. Yeah, we'll kind of touch on NBA standings and give brief brief thoughts on teams a little bit later. But I really like what the Pelicans have been putting together the last couple of years. I really like their um, what would be starting lineup if they were all healthy because currently Zion's out. But I really like what they're putting together. And then the last trade I'll do, and then I'll hand it over to Pat, on February 9th, the three-team trade went down, and the Jazz, as you mentioned, got Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Juan Her- Hernandez-Gomez, who I mentioned a trade earlier. And then the Blazers got Joe Ingles, Elijah Hughes, and a second-round pick. And then the Spurs got, as we just mentioned in the last trade, they got Tomas Sadoransky and a second-round pick. Um, a lot of pieces that got bounced around here. The big one, the big name that I see here is Joe Ingles headed off to Portland. Um, he tore his ACL um, this season for the Jazz, so he's out for the year. So I really just saw this as offloading an older uh, player in his contract to a different team. But he, he was very good for the Jazz for quite a few years. Give me some of your thoughts on this trade. Yeah, like I mentioned, I was kind of upset seeing Nikhil Alexander-Walker go from one team to another in the matter of very, 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 I mean, one day. Um, I feel like he could have had a somewhat decent big role on the Portland Trailblazers. I mean, to be fair to him, he went to the Pelicans, who aren't very good this year, to the Blazers, who also aren't very good year, and got upgraded to the Jazz, who are sitting pretty at uh, one of the top four seeds in the West. I forget which one. So as far as he goes, he got a pretty good deal out of this Oh, thing. 100%. But just, I feel like from Portland's front office, if you Put it, if you try and think in their heads, I'm not sure what they were trying to do, but maybe they should have considered keeping him because maybe using him to build around. But 
Utah definitely won this trade. I mean, like you said, they got rid of Joe Ingles and his big contract. And then also he's hurt and he's old. But I know I texted you after it went down. I'm just excited to see him play for Portland. I hope he does um, because I, I love watching Joe Ingles. And, I mean, I like watching Portland players. I mean, Damian Lillard, look at how well he has done. Um, but, yeah. And then Tomas Sadaransky, he's just getting bounced around. I know I said it earlier, but I don't even know what he's going to be doing in San Antonio. Yeah, I feel like he's kind of, as we'll mention a little bit later in uh, a different trade, he's kind of the Derek White replacement. But uh, take us away to the last half of the trade so I don't absolutely kill my voice. What if I want you to? I'd prefer not, so go ahead and take take it away, please. Okay. On February 10th, a trade between the 76ers and the Nets went down. The 76ers got James Harden, who I hate, and the Brooklyn Nets got Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first-round picks, a 2022 and a 2027. Um, what are your thoughts on this trade? Um, I mean, I don't really know what to think about it. The, the Nets, they were on a losing streak. The Sixers were playing pretty well. Um... I think the key thing here is is how Ben Simmons will perform in Brooklyn if he decides to play. Because the big thing in Philly is he wasn't played. So if the Nets receive him and he starts to play and he plays at a good level, I like this trade more for the Nets than I do the Sixers. Um, I'm just not a huge fan of James Harden's game. I mean, one thing I will say uh, from his game is his, his assists have come up in recent years, which is one of the things I was more critical about um, from his game earlier in his career. But the last couple of seasons, he's had them 10 assists per game, closer to 11 in some years. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how he performs in Philly. He's bounced around the last couple of years and he played in Houston and Brooklyn last year. Now he's going to be playing in Brooklyn and Philly. So it'll be interesting to see where he settles and how this trade shapes up. But I think the big piece here is Ben Simmons and how he's going to play for Brooklyn. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Brooklyn won the trade, but it'll all depend on how Ben Simmons plays, if he plays. Yeah, I can agree with that. Uh, I want to say one more thing, then I'll get to the next trade. But I, I feel like Seth Curry is going to be benefiting from this trade the absolute most because... He is going to be getting a lot of playing time in Brooklyn, and I'm just I love seeing him play well because he's just one of those players that you just have to like. Yeah, I mean his brother is Steph Curry, so I mean he's got quite a good shot as far as uh, three point shooters go. And I think I agree with you there. I mean when Kevin Durant's healthy, all the eyes are going to be on Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and you're just going to be sitting pretty in a corner, and all you need is Kyrie or KD to pass you the ball and you're going to knock down a three so i think it'll be very beneficial for seth curry in his game i lied one more thing it's going to be interesting to see what they do with this 2022 first round pick if they're going to draft somebody which would make sense or if they're going to take that pick and trade it but i'm going to get into the next trade between the mavericks and the wizards the mavericks received spencer dimwitty and davis bertans and the Wizards got Chris Depps Porzingis in a 2022 second round pick. What are your thoughts on this trade? 
Um, I don't really know. I mean, Porzingis has been hurt for the majority of the last couple years. He's been struggling to get his footing right ever since he tore his ACL originally in New York. Um, So I think if he can perform well, I like this trade more for the Wizards than I do the Mavericks. For the Mavericks, I guess Spencer Dinwiddie gives you another guard option. I mean, your guard options are a little limited there. You've really just been working with Luka and Jalen Brunson. Um, And I guess David Bertans, if he plays well, is a good piece for him. But uh, if Kristaps plays well, I like this trade more for the Wizards. But it also is a little head-scratching as far as the Wizards go to go out and grab a power forward slash center when Kuzma's been playing so well in Washington. Um, The Lakers got rid of him, and he has just been a really nice piece in Washington. Really only the only bright spot minus Bradley Beal, but he's been hurt for most of the year. So it's all going to depend again on one player, and that's Kristaps Porzingis. So that trade is a little interesting to me, but... Uh, this next trade I really like. Go ahead and take it away, Pat. Um, this was a trade between the Boston Celtics and the San Antonio Spurs. You mentioned this earlier, but the Celtics got Derek White, and then the Spurs got Josh Richardson, Romeo Langford, and two first-round picks, a 2022 and a 2028. Um, I feel like this was a very this is a trade that the Celtics needed to make. I feel like they've had a good year. But I feel like they needed more depth and more shooters because they've haven't they've been kind of depending on one or two, maybe three players. You know, Jalen Brown, you got Jason Tatum, but then after that, there's not really a clear three. So I guess this is where really Derek White can fill his role as be that third piece. Yeah, and I mean. Um, one thing I've really wanted the Celtics to go out and get, and this is kind of that piece, is a true ball handler. You've had Marcus Smart there, and he's yes, he is a guard, but I don't really consider him a point guard. I consider him more of a defender. So they just needed a primary ball handler to be able to distribute a little bit more efficiently than someone like Marcus Smart can. So as far as that goes, I really like this trade for them. Josh Richardson had kind of faded into the background for the Celtics team, so it made sense to offload him. Um, so for the Celtics, to try to go ahead and win something this year, this was a trade they needed to make. Next up, there's a trade, be- another trade involving the Celtics, um, but this time it was the Celtics and the Rockets. The Celtics received Daniel Tice, and the Rockets received Dennis Schroeder, and his Freedom, and Bruno Fernando. Um, I'm not really going to talk. I mean, I guess, what are your thoughts on Dennis Schroeder getting traded and going to another team. Uh, I mean, it makes sense as far as the Celtics go. I mean, they just got Derek White, and that kind of just takes out Dennis Schroeder's role on that team. He hadn't been starting many games recently, and they just brought in a guard that was going to probably do a similar thing that Schroeder does, so it just made sense for them to get rid of him. And then to bring back Daniel Tice, I really liked him on the Celtics, and they got rid of him, gave him to the Bulls. Um, it'll be a good bench piece. I mean, you got Horford starting at center right now for them, and he's getting up there at age. So it'll be nice to see uh, a little bit of depth as far as that goes. Um, next up, we got the a four-team trade between the Bucks, the Clippers, the Kings, and the Pistons. 
The Bucks received Serge Ibaka plus two first or two second round picks and cash considerations. The Clippers received Rodney Hood, Semi Ojalehi, and Banja Marinkovic. Um, the Kings got Dante DiVincenzo, Josh Richardson, and Trey Lyles. And the Pistons, they're probably all celebrating after this happened, but they got Marvin Bagley, who is a somewhat decent, relevant player. Um, so just happy for them. And then I'll just touch on the last trade, and then we can get to the midseason awards. Um, this was between the Raptors and the Spurs. The Raptors got Thaddeus Young and Drew Eubanks, plus a 2022 20, second-round pick. And then the Spurs, who got... Get received Goran Dragic and a 2022 first round pick. And Goran Dragic has been waived by the team and is, and is now a free agent. So, but for time's sake, let's get into the midseason awards. Yeah, first off, the MVP. We've mentioned all of these players a little bit before. Uh, Joel Embiid, the Philadelphia 76ers center. He's averaging around 30 points per game, about five assists per game, and 11 rebounds per game. Jokic, another center. Denver Nuggets, uh, point in points per game, is averaging 26 points per game, 8 assists, 14 rebounds. And then Stephen Curry, a guard from Golden State Warriors, with 25 points per game, uh, 7 assists per game, and around 5 rebounds per game. Uh, what are your thoughts as far as the MVP race goes so far this year? Um, if I had, I'd say it's pretty, there's a lot of people who could be considered for the award. Um, my pick is probably I want to. I'd like to see either Demar Derozan or Nikola Jokic win the award. Um, I feel like they've had they both had very 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 big years. Um, but yeah, I mean Joel Embiid deserves it just as much as them both, and as long and as well as Steph Curry. Yeah, I think my pick here will would probably be Joel Embiid. I really like what he's done in Philly. Um, he's elevated them into a fifth seed just a couple of games behind uh, the Heat and the Bulls for the first place in the East. And I really like that you added my boy DeMar in there because he's really the reason that they're staying afloat at the top of the Eastern Conference right now. Um, but, yeah, I'd probably go and beat in that one. Uh, Defensive Player of the Year, we've got Draymond Green, Ford, Golden State Warriors, uh, Rudy Gobert, Utah Jazz Center, and then Giannis Antetokounmpo, a forward for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, I won't go through their stats. We've kind of recapped some of those players back when the All-Stars were mentioned. But I think it'll probably come down between Antetokounmpo and Draymond Green. But I think Antetokounmpo is probably going to win it again. He's just such an integral part of that Milwaukee defense um, game in and game out. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I mean, I, I agree 100%. Um, plus, I mean, Draymond Green's been hurt for a decent amount of the year, so I feel like Giannis is going to win the award just because also he's been playing at such a high level for such a long time. Um, rookie of the year, though, we got Kate Cunningham, Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley, and Franz Wagner, um, all players who were mentioned before, so we're not going to mention stats again. Um, but who's your pick for this award? Uh, I think it's going to be a really interesting uh, award. I think they're all very tight as far as uh, how they've played so far this year. I'd probably go Scotty Barnes. He's been more of a key piece for the Raptors than any other rookie has been for their team. 
Uh, Kate Cunningham has probably been the best rookie, but he's had spells where he's been hurt. He didn't start at the start of the year. So I'd probably just go Scotty Barnes just because of the impact he has on the Toronto Raptors team. Yeah, um, for me, I'd probably have to go between Kate Cunningham and a player who's not on this list, but Josh Giddy, um, with the impact he's had on the Thunder. He's just looked extremely, extremely, extremely well for at be, or being such a young player as well. Um, sixth man of the Euro race, we got Tyler Hero, Kelly Oubre Jr., and then Pat Bev out of Minnesota. Um, out of these three, who do you think has a chance to win the award? I mean, it's probably going to be Tyler Hero, to be honest. He's just a killer shooter off the bench for Miami. And he's just a really good piece for him. He's averaging 20 points per game, four assists, and four, eh, five rebounds. He's at 4.8, so I'll round up for him. Uh, but I think it's going to be Hero. I mean, Ubre started a couple of uh, stretches for Charlotte, and same thing with Patrick Beverly. So I think Tyler Hero is really the clear choice for sixth man. Another guy I'd like to mention is Caruso, but he's going to be out for the rest for. Re- mo- the rest of the regular season and then he had a spell in December where he's out so he probably won't qualify in games played to be able to be qualified for this award but he's someone I'd like to throw out there as far as sixth men go um yeah I mean I definitely agree with you um for most improved player of the year John Morant Darius Garland and Jordan Poole out of those three do you see someone on this list who can win that award or do you think it's gonna be someone different um, I think it really is going to come down to the first two names you mentioned, John Morant and Darius Garland. They've both been so integral to how well their teams have played so far this year. Um, I'd probably give it to John Morant, and I think the voters will too. But I, I really like what Darius Garland has pieced together so far uh, this season. But I think John Morant probably is going to be the man that wins it. Yeah, and then one more award. We got Coach of the Year. Um, some candidates, J.D. Bickerstaff, Billy Donovan, coach of the Bulls, and then Monty Williams. Out of these three, do you see someone on this list who can win that award? As much as Monty Williams' record is so impressive, I think you've got to look at J.D. Bickerstaff's job that he's done in Cleveland. I mean, he's got him sitting third in the East, and I don't think anybody saw the uh, fourth, My excuse me, Um, But I don't think anyone saw the Cleveland Cavaliers sitting in fourth place in the Eastern Conference headed into the All-Star break. I think most people could have seen them knocking in the play-ins, but not quite there. So it's very nice to see Cleveland up there at the fourth seed. I mean, from, from a Bulls fan perspective, I'd rather they not be there because it would make my life so much less stressful as far as... We go on a losing streak, and we're immediately in the play-in race. But it's nice to see Cleveland up there. Yeah, so uh, I definitely can agree with you there. Um, I'd say either J.D. Bickerstaff or Billy Donovan. Both would very much deserve and should win the award for the just the impact they made on their team. Okay, we got two more segments, and then we'll be done for today. Um, you want to touch on the Eastern Conference standings? Just run through it. I can hit on the Western, and then touch on other news and be done how's that sound sounds good to me all right uh, take it away so sitting happy in first place in the eastern conference of the miami heat at 37 and 21 tied and are immediately on their heels of the chicago bulls at 37 and 21 happy boy horse as we have written right next to 
the Chicago Bulls. I am very, I'm a very happy boy with my Bulls sitting tied for the first place in the Eastern Conference. At third place, you've got the Milwaukee Bucks at 36 and 23, one and a half games back. Fourth, we just mentioned Cleveland Cavaliers, 35 and 23, two games back. Philadelphia 76ers right behind them, 34 and 23, two and a half games back. And then to wrap up the uh, six locked in playoff spots are the Boston Celtics at 34 and 25 with three and a half games back. The play-in teams include the Toronto Raptors at 31 and 25, five games back. Brooklyn Nets right behind them on a huge losing skid at 30 and 27, six and a half games back. At the nine, you've got Char- the Charlotte Hornets, 29 and 30, 85, <laughs> not 85, 8.5 games back. And then to wrap up the play-in teams, you've got the Atlanta Hawks at 27 and 30, nine and a half games back. And then the teams that are right on the outside looking in. Uh, to that playoff race are the Washington Wizards, who started the season off so well, but have faded toward the back half of the first half. They sit at 26 and 30, 10 games back. 12th place, the New York Knicks. Haha, 25 and 33, 12 games back. Sad boy hours. <laughs> <laughs> at 13th, you've got the Indiana Pacers, 19 and 40, 18 and a half games back. 14th, Orlando Magic, 13 and 46, 24 and a half games back. And then wrapping out the Eastern Conference, the Detroit Pistons, 12 and 45, also 24 and a half games back. And in the Western Conference, we've got the first seed, Phoenix Suns at 47 and 10. Very, very impressive. And then second, we've got the Golden State Warriors, 42 and 16, five and a half games back. In third place, we have the Memphis Grizzlies, 41 and 18, seven games back. And then after that, the Utah Jazz as the four seed. 36 and 21, and they're 11 games back. The five seed, the Dallas Mavericks, they are 34 and 24. They are 13 and a half games back. And then the Denver Nuggets are sixth. And I guess I forgot to put their record, which is very, very silly by me. Let me just find this real quick. The Denver Nuggets are 32 and 25, and yes, 15 games back. And then the play-in teams, we got seven-seed Minnesota Timberwolves, um, 31 and 27, 16 and a half games back. Eight-seed LA Clippers, 29 and 31, 19 and a half games back. The nine-seeded LA Lakers are 26 and 31, 21 games back. And then the ten-seed Portland Trailblazers wrap up the play-in teams at 24 and 34, 23 and a half games back. And then you just got the five worst teams in the West. You got the Pelicans at 23 and 35, 24 and a half games back. The San Antonio Spurs at 22 and 36, 25 and a half games back. The Sacramento Kings, 22 and 37, 26 games back. The OKC Thunder, 18 and 39, 29 games back. And finally, the Houston Rockets at 15 and 41, 31 and a half games back. And then. Just two things to keep aware of. First, free agent guard DeAndre Bembry has, I wrote during class that he was close to signing, but it has been confirmed that he has signed with the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, he's averaged 5.8 points, 3 and 3.2 rebounds, 50, shooting 57% from the field and 41.7% from three with the Brooklyn Nets playing around 20 minutes a game. And then finally, Warriors fans will be happy to hear James Wiseman is cleared for 5-on-5 five five scrimmage. Next step in comeback from injury. 
which, if you remember, he did tear his meniscus back in April. Um, there's a lot more that we could talk about, but that's all we got for you. See you guys in a couple days.